Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful biblically based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will discuss the question, Was the atonement completed at the cross? We will be studying what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Indiana, in the United States of America. More about our guest after we've had some music. But the pain will never end It's not 
knocking at your door. Open up your heart and let the Father in. He's calling out to you just so you can be cleansed from your sins. He's knocking at your door. Open up your heart and let the Father in. He's trying to tell you, you can try, you can fight, but the pain will never end. Just let him in. Just let him in. Voice in the wilderness, caring for you. Was the atonement completed at the cross? We will be discussing this subject tonight with Elder John Skeet. Have a pen and paper ready to write down some notes. Let's now call Elder Skeet and see if he is available. Yes, hello. Hello, good evening, Elder Skeet. You are live on the Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you keeping this evening? Uh, I'm blessed by God's grace. Praise the Lord. Well, Elder Skeet, tonight we will be discussing these questions together. What does the Bible state that the atonement is? Why is an atonement needed? How were Israel taught about it? How did it relate to Israel before Jesus came? And what part did the death of Christ play concerning it? So, Elder Skeet, before we start our discussion tonight, shall we have a word of prayer together? Do you mind praying, please? Certainly. Our gracious Father in heaven, we praise you for a thousand ways that heaven is trying to rescue us. We thank you for the wonderful life of Jesus, his death, and his all-powerful high priestly ministry. And as we turn our attention to this important subject, we pray that the Holy Spirit will come as a great teacher and enlighten and teach us and guide us into the truth. We thank you for hearing this prayer because we've asked it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Elder Skeet, what does the Bible state that the atonement is? Okay, well... First of all, I'd just like to say thank you for having me on the Voice in the Wilderness Radio. You're welcome. And it's it's a, a privilege to teach the sacred word. And I, I'm not a trained theologian. I'm just a humble Bible student. And before I attempt to answer your first question, I'd like to just explain to the radio listeners that I believe that the Bible is its own expositor. Amen. Which means that the Bible actually explains itself. The truth in one part of Scripture is made plain by a passage in another part of Scripture. Right. And uh, the Holy Scriptures teach us that we should not attempt to establish any doctrine on the basis of a single single Bible verse. Right. Because one voice might not be interpreted accurately. Or, or We shouldn't even try to establish any, any important fact based on a single the testimony of one individual. Right. And, um, in Deuteronomy 19, verse 15... The Bible says, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses right. shall the matter be established. And, uh, uh, and Paul actually quotes this important principle in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 1. 
And notice how he starts. He says, this is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Shall every word be established. So we're studying the subject of atonement, this very important doctrine. The honest Christian will need multiple Bible texts to testify of this truth. And there's one other thing I want to say, and then we'll go to that first question. Um, If you really want to understand a Bible doctrine, Isaiah chapter 28 Verses 10 and 11 tells us how to study it. It says, whom shall he teach knowledge? This is Isaiah 28, verses 10 and 11. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So, So in answering the questions that you have here, I want to get two or three witnesses right. from the scriptures and kind of go um, upon line upon line and principle upon principle. So what was that first question again? What does the Bible state that the atonement is? All right. Let us begin our study by reading Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. And... Um, This is the only time that the English word atonement occurs in the New Testament. And and I'm using the King King James Version. And it says in Romans 5, verse 10 and 11, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So there it is in verse 11 of Romans 5. It's the only time in the English Bible where the word atonement is mentioned. Now, that English word um, comes from a Greek word, uh, katalage, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. And a strong concordance defines katalage as an exchange, uh, a restoration to the divine favor. Right. And uh, that Greek word um, is translated in the King James Version two other times as, instead of atonement, that word is translated as reconciliation. You can find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. So I'm going to go ahead and read those verses too. Um, And this is the same Greek word that Paul uses for atonement in uh, uh, the verse we just read, Romans 5, 11. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's verse 18. That word is katalage. It's the same word that you got atonement for. And in verse 19, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us, the word of reconciliation. That's the same Greek word right there. So those are the only three times that the Greek word is used for atonement. And once it's translated as atonement and two times as reconciliation. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, Shall we just pause here? Because you're reiterating this point that with the atonement, there is a principle that the scripture is re-emphasizing towards us, reconciliation. 
And we'd just like our listeners to understand that when the Bible's speaking about the atonement, it's speaking about reconciliation. And so, yes. yes so carry on, please, Elder Ski. I just wanted just to reemphasize that point. Yes, and 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 let me uh, let me uh, comment on that further. Um, yes. I believe that William Tyndale was inspired to choose the word atonement here in Romans five eleven. You know, um, if you if you if you research that, some people say that seventy percent of the actual word in the King James version, those words were selected by William Tyndale, and I, and it was I think he was inspired in choosing the word atonement. Right for that Greek word, because if you hyphenate it, it's at hyphen one hyphen meant, at one meant. Because, and why did Tyndale probably choose that? Because it points to a complete and total reconciliation between two estranged parties. Like if you had like a husband and a wife that they got into a big fight and he, he beats her up and then they they separate and they move into different residences and then they, they go into counseling and, and during the counseling, counseling, counseling sessions, they, they say, okay, um, he apologizes. We're going to work this out. And she says, okay, I agree. We'll work it out. But they're not totally reconciled until they come back together and they're yes, living Lord. under the same roof, under the same roof. That's when they're completely at one meant again. You know, when you look at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, you know, when he came to his senses in that, in that muddy swine fit, um, uh, he was not yet reconciled until he returned home right. to his father. And this is going to help us to understand that the, what the Bible teaches about atonement um, is it's when the, it's not really complete until the family on earth and the family on heaven are completely, totally reconciled under one roof. Right. So, um, this Greek word, katalage, that was the translated atonement in Romans 5 and, and uh, reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, are the only three occurrences for it in the New Testament. And it's translated into two different words. But the word atonement does occur in the Old Testament. 69 times, right. 69 times. So it's only once in the New Testament, or you could say three times if you count reconciliation, but it's 69 times in the Old Testament. And it's translated in the Old Testament into 12 different English words, not two like in the New Testament. So it is here in the Old Testament that you have to go if you really want to understand what the atonement is. And in the Old Testament, uh, the word that atonement arises out of, the Hebrew word, is kafar. And kafar means to cover. You look it up in Strong's Dictionary. Right. Uh, I'll give you one example. When the children of Israel had made the golden calf and they had apostatized, Moses came and he dealt with the transgressors. And in Exodus 32, verse 30, it says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I will make an atonement for your sin. That word is kafar. So, and a kafar means to cover. So, in answer, and if you look it up um, in the Strong's Concordance, and you look at all the different words Kafar is translated into its 12 different English phrases. 
and Kafar is translated in the Old Testament. I'll read them for you to appease, to make atonement, to cleanse, to disannul, to forgive, to be merciful, to pacify, to pardon, to pitch, to purge away, to put off, to make reconciliation. So, so what does the Bible say that atonement is? Right. The Greek word is a restoration to divine favor, and the Hebrew word to cover means to cleanse, forgive, to purge away, to put off. Right. And so we can see and read and understand, Odyssey, that when the Bible's speaking about the atonement, it's speaking about the process where there needs to be a restoration of the relationship between man and God, in essence. Yes. A total a total restoration. Yes. That's correct. Yes. Where they be- actually become one again as if they'd never been separated. Yes. So, Odyssey, moving on. Now, now that we've established this point, why is the atonement needed? Okay, why is the atonement needed? The atonement is needed because sin has placed men and women in a terrible, unfixable predicament. Right. In, in 2 Samuel 14, verse 14, um, it describes in graphic language uh, the predicament that man is in. Yes. It says... And 2 Samuel 14, 14, we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. Sin, sin makes you like a, like a glass of water that fell on the floor and is absorbed into the dirt. You, you just can't, you can't fix that. That's an unfixable problem. But it says, yet does he devise means that the banished be not expelled. The atonement is the means that God has devised that his banished will not be expelled from him. And in the last half of Romans chapter 5, which is the first text we read, you have both the spiritual disease and the remedy for it listed in a string of different words. And this helps us to to explain why the atonement is needed. In, in, in that passage, it mentions the remedy in verse 11. It's called atonement. In verse 15, it's called the free gift. In, in verse 15, again, it's called the gift by grace. Right. In verse 16, it's called justification. Um, in verse 17, it's called the gift of righteousness. In 19, it's called the obedience of one. So those words all connect to what atonement means. But in Romans 5, this passage also mentions the spiritual disease that makes the atonement needed. Yes. And it's a string of different words. Why is the atonement needed? The Bible, in this same passage, it, it mentions sin in verse 12. It mentions death by sin. It mentions transgression in verse 14. It mentions the offense in verse 15. It, it mentions judgment to condemnation in yes. verse 16. So, so, so why is it needed? It's needed because of all of these things mentioned in Romans 5. Sin, right. death, transgression, offense, judgment of condemnation. But, but, but since the word atonement only appears once in the New Testament and 69 times in the Old Testament, we, we have to go there for just a few minutes to get a clearer understanding okay. of its meaning. Right. Is that okay? Yes, carry on. The, 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 Hebrew, the Hebrew word for atonement helps to answer the question, why is it needed? Uh, as we mentioned already, the root word for atonement in the Old Testament is kafar. Kafar right. means to, co- to cover. 
It's a very unique word that was chosen by God to highlight one of the big problems that sin and rebellion creates. Uh, And um, that problem is that sin makes men and women naked and the atonement covers. You remember Adam and Eve? They were hiding from God in Genesis 3. And God said, "Why, why are you hiding? And he says, because we're naked. They said, well, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit? And, and, and But the atonement is to cover that nakedness. And yes. if you keep reading in that passage, the ultimate consequence of being naked was that Jesus, uh, God said to them, dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. That's in verse 19 of Genesis 3. Yes. So in the Bible, so what are we talking about? In the Bible, nakedness, to be uncovered, is associated with the idea of being unprotected, exposed for destruction. Right. If you were to, if you were to search that out through the Bible, you start to look up what it means to be naked. You'll find that it means that you you you're 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 ripe for destruction. In Exodus thirty two, at the Sinai apostasy, the Bible says that Aaron had made the people naked. Right. In Exodus thirty two verse twenty five, and then three verses later, it says three thousand men were slain. So so so. God chose the word kafar to cover for atonement because God wants them to be protected or safe from destruction. But um, there's another concept that's associated with being naked. And the second idea comes from a different Hebrew word. So this is not line upon line, but it is principle upon principle. And in the Bible, uncovered means to be exposed to contamination also. Vessels in the Bible, you know, jars and bowls and plates, needed to be covered. In Numbers 19.15, it says, And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. So so, uh, to be uncovered means to be ripe for destruction. To be uncovered means open to contamination. And and do you know where the first time in the Bible that the word kafar is ever used? Most people will be surprised to find right. that that the very first time that kafar is used is in Gen- Genesis six fourteen, where it says, "God was speaking to Noah. He said, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch.'" The Hebrew word for pitch here is kafar, the same word that we get for atonement. That's that's a deep idea. The ark, a wooden structure that was going to go into a big stormy flood, it was sealed so that the destructive waters could not penetrate it. The ark was safe from contamination. The bad was sealed out and the good was sealed in. So the Hebrew word brings another broadness and another um, dimension of explanation that you don't find um, in the Greek in the New Testament. So why is atonement needed? Why atonement is needed is because man is in a terrible, unfixable predicament because of sin, and he needs to have God's means so that he will not, though banished, would not be expelled. Why is the covering needed? Because man is naked, because of sin, and he needs to be covered so he'll be safe from destruction, safe from contamination. Yes. Oh, Brother Skeets, 
thus far um, you've been sharing comprehensive principles and um, making it known to the listeners clearly the reason why the atonement is needed and that the Bible speaks extensively about it, you see, about the sin problem and not just about the problem but how the Lord and the Godhead are seeking extensively to do all that they can to save a man from sin and to bring us back, to reconcile us back into a relationship with him. Yes. So, you see, and so... So we've mentioned about reconciliation. We've, recon- we've mentioned, excuse me, that it's because of sin that it needs to be reconciliation. And so now, moving on, we've mentioned this in basic principle, but now, Brother Ski, how was Israel taught about the atonement and about the, the principles that, are, that, that revolve around it? Okay, how was the nation of Israel taught about the atonement. Okay, be, before I come to how the nation of Israel was taught atonement, I would just like to say that the atonement is God's provision for the whole human race. Yes. All men have sinned from Adam's day until today, and yes. all need heaven's, heaven's remedy for sin. And yes. it was through the sacrificial system, the, the sacrifice of animals, that God explained the divine remedy to the human family. You can see it even before the nation of Israel. You can see it in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel where they must have been instructed yes. to, to bring a lamb. But, you know, Cain brought fruit and Abel obeyed. And you can see it um, in the early part of Genesis in the burnt offerings that were presented by the various patriarchs, Abraham yes. and Noah. And, 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 you know, after the eight souls exited the ark safely after the flood, the Bible says in Genesis 8.20, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took up yes. every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Genesis 8, verse 20. So um, you can so be, even before the nation of Israel yes. was um, formed 1,500 years later, yes. um, when Adam and Eve were first created, you know, um, uh, after they fell, God instituted this sacrificial system. And um, because when they were Adam and Eve were first created, their minds of the human race were so powerful. Yes. God could just reveal these truths by just more abbreviated representations. Wow. But as the centuries rolled on and sin darkened man's mind, as, as rebellion diminished man's capacity to comprehend, God's revelation of the atonement became more and more detailed. Yes. Can so I just, when it, yeah, sorry, I'll just please go, go. Yes. No, please go ahead. Yes. I just would like to share this because this is an important point and this is why the initial question was raised because the plan of salvation was not just given to ancient Israel alone because a lot of people nowadays are just focusing upon Israel you know i.e you know yes. and, and just pointing out Israel as a movement but they need to it needs to be understood that from the very beginning the plan of salvation was and 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 the, and, and the atonement was taught to man from Adam down See, so I just, I just wanted to interject that, Brother Ski. So, Elder Ski, I mean, so carry on, please. Yes, that's excellent. And, and, and so all of men, from Adam all the way up, even to today, they yes. need to understand what the divine remedy is. And that divine remedy, God's way of explaining it, 
was through the sacrificial system, through the sacrifice of animals. Wow. And when it came to the nation of Israel, God continued, but he had already started from, the, from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. He continued to instruct about the atonement through the sacrificial system. This is how ancient Israel was taught about the atonement. And I might add, Brother John, that this yes. is the only way that modern Israel can be taught about the atonement. Amen. You know, if, if, if you're a Christian that doesn't believe that the Old Testament is an authoritative source to derive your doctrine, then the subject of the atonement and, and many other subjects become inscrutable, yes. uh, incomprehensible. You, you know, and my position is based on 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So yes. we need to use, use the whole Bible to explain itself. You know, I think Christianity is the only religion that a, a theory yes. was, has become taught which, um, which um, invalidates three-quarters of the holy book. I don't think the, the Muslims have any theory that tells them that three-fourths of the Quran is not applicable or... Right. Or the Hindus believe that three-fourths of the Bhagavad Gita is not applicable. But Christians have developed these theories and concepts yes. and ideas that say that three-quarters of their Bible is not applicable. So uh, that, that, I don't think that that's correct. No. So um, if the radio listeners um, have a Bible and you're listening to this broadcast, I'd like for you just to turn real quickly to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to spend probably the most time on this question. I just want to spend just five more minutes. Okay. Um, because because this, is, this is very important. The question that we're dealing with is, how was Israel taught the atonement? And if you would open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, you will find there the story of the Passover. And I'm going to have a word of prayer right now. Father in heaven, I pray that as... As the, as the radio listeners open their Bibles and look at this passage, I pray that your spirit will give enlightenment and truth and understanding. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. So amen. In, 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 in Exodus chapter 12, in verses 1 through 8, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it, but if you're looking at it in the Bible, I'll just highlight it. In Exodus chapter 12, because many of you are familiar with the story of the Passover. You know that children of Israel had been in bondage for over 400 years in Egypt and that God had brought them out through 10 miraculous. He was about to bring them out. He'd given them 10 miraculous, uh, um, miraculous um, plagues. Yes. And so they were about to leave. And so he instituted a ceremony, and this is the most illumined. If you want to understand the atonement, this is the story that you need to read. And, and if you look there, it says that it, in verse 2, that this would be the beginning of months for them. And it says that on the 10th day of the month, that every man would choose a lamb. That's verse 3. Right. And, if, and it says the lamb was to be without blemish in verse 5, and that they were to keep it until the 14th day of the month. And then it says that Israel shall kill it in the evening. That's in what? verse 6. And they say, shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper doorpost of the house, wherein they shall eat it. In verse 8, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. And it goes on to say that they were eating none until the morning, and verse 11 says that they would eat it in haste and that that would be the Lord's Passover. 
Now, right. th- in, in this ceremony, um, God was pointing to the twofold work of salvation and the twofold work of atonement for the disease of sin. God's remedy was both substitutionary. A lamb was slain. That represents Jesus coming to die so that you and I don't have to die. It's substitutionary. It's done wholly outside of us. It's done for us. But it was also experiential. You had to eat the lamb. That is that 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 means that you have to actually partake of Jesus' life. It has to become part of you. And in the Passover service, the worshiper also had to eat bitter herbs because it was going to be a challenging journey to crucify self and to allow Christ to be formed within. So so in the Passover service, a lamb was slain, blood was put upon the door, and and through the atonement, the the ancient Hebrew was able to get a new record. And for Christians, our names are written in the book of life when we accept Christ. Philippians 4.3 says that. But God also wants to give us not only a new record, but a new experience by eating the lamb and the bitter herbs. So another way to say it is that the Passover taught that in the atonement, God wants to do a work for us, and he wants to do a work in us. Right. And so so through the sacrificial system, God was teaching them that when he's doing that work of reconciling, when he's going to cover their nakedness, when he's going to um, make that provision, that special heavenly provision for them, He's going to do something for them. He's going to do something in them. And you can see it again that when they finally journeyed and arrived at Sinai, God gave even a more detailed description of the sacrificial offerings in the first, in the book of Leviticus, when it was later written down. And there were five offerings in the Levitical service. They're found in the first five chapters of Leviticus. There was the burnt offering, the meat offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. You know, it's yeah. interesting. God oftentimes puts puts the, the sweetest and the most important part in the middle. You know, if you're eating a watermelon, you don't eat it. Uh, you eat it around the, when you eat around yes. the rind part where it's white and green. That's not the sweetest part. The sweetest part's in the middle. And in and, and the, and the, and the, and the book of Moses, you know, there were five books. And the yes. book in the middle is Leviticus. And there were five offerings. In the middle offering, it was the peace offering. And if you look at the peace offering, it's the only offering, and it was the peace offering was added to all the other offerings. In the peace offering, the Bible says that the sacrifice was burned. That's Leviticus 3, 1 through 5. But then it it says in Leviticus 7, 11, I'm going to read it. It says, and this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for Thanksgiving shall be eaten that same day. So just like at the Passover, when they offered peace offerings, there was something done for them. The the lamb was sacrificed and it was burned and consumed, but they had to take part of it and eat it. And so that's talking about a change in their experience. So so how was Israel taught about the atonement? The same way Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel were taught through a ceremonial sacrifice of an animal. And it's the Passover service that gives us a lot of the detail. And later on at Sinai, in the sanctuary service, even more detail was given in Exodus and Leviticus. In those two books, every Christian must study to understand what the atonement is. Yes. So, Elder Skeet, you know, um, I thank you and we thank you for such a comprehensive answer. And I'd just like to again reiterate these points. 
from what the elder has shared that you see in the plan of salvation there's a substitutionary nature where it's the lamb is slain instead of the sinner symbolic of christ who's who's who's, who's man substitute and there's an experience involved where god wants us to experience him through partaking of his nature of himself and also yes. that god wants to make our record clean Yes. See, you know, he wants to take away the filth that sin has, has brought into our lives and give us a new record. And so I and we pray that our listeners can see that the Bible is not just an empty book. You know, this it's it's full of the principles of God and, and it teaches us of his nature, of his loving nature, of how he's seeking to restore us fully through the provisions that he's given unto us. You see, yes. and so we're yes. taking you step by step, listeners, through the scriptures to show you, many of you, and even those who who's, who have studied the Bible for years, that you know that God has covered every angle in this matter um, for our case, and it's just for us to take our time and to let Him lead us to the ways of life everlasting. So, yes. I just like to just say there that yes. um, the um, a lot of Christians that I've talked with yes. have a a narrow view of the atonement. When, when yes. we have our next meeting next Sunday, we'll talk about um, the, what's commonly taught. And, but yes, what's so commonly taught is a narrow view. But but the Bible teaches a more comprehensive view, yes. a, a a not a, a transforming view, and on. And if the gospel, if it left us in the same condition that it found us in, it'd be worthless. Yes. You know, the gospel requires us to grow, to to make progress, to move forward, to be changed. And yes, when certainly. you study the atonement properly, you see the transformative aspects of it. Yes. So, Adeskate, time is moving on. So, how did the atonement relate to Israel before Jesus came? We've covered some of this, but carry on, Elder, with what you'd like to share. Okay, I'll make this a little briefer. God's explanation of the atonement was given in the patriarchal system of sacrifice when Abraham and Jacob and Noah and these men, and then later in the Passover, and then later on, Yes. It became part of the law of Moses that was given at Sinai. And through these systems of sacrificing animals, God's ancient people were pointed to the Messiah who was to come yes. in, the future, in the future for them. The salvation that would come through the Messiah had to be received by faith. Nice. And, in, and, in, and in their day, their faith had to reach forward to a future event where Jesus would be born, he would be conceived, he would live, he would live his life, and he would die. During the days, though, so their faith had to had to reach forward. Yes. But during the days that Jesus walked the earth, the people's faith had to grasp what was happening in the present. Right. So their faith, I mean, there's a lot of people that they saw Jesus, but they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. Yes. But there were some that did believe. And in our day, the provision that's made, our faith has to reach backwards in time to grasp the reality of the cross of Calvary. Yes. So... The Jews, how do they relate to Jesus? They, they were looking by faith to the Messiah that was to come. So in ancient Israel, they had to see the reality that was yet future for them in the earthly services of bulls, goats, lambs, turtle doves being killed. And there was no merit in the blood of those animals. Right. The service was only redemptive as their faith 
grasped that it was pointing to the Messiah that was coming. It was pointing to the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, John one twenty nine. Paul mentions this in Hebrews 9 and verse 9, where he writes about the wilderness tabernacle. And he says, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So when you just are killing killing an animal, it's not going to make you perfect. But if your faith can take hold that it represents Jesus, then um, then it comes to light. Paul talked about it in Hebrews 4, verse 2, where he actually says that uh, in Hebrews 4, verse 2, for unto us, he's talking about New Testament Christians, was the yes. gospel preached, as well as unto them, Old Testament Christians. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard yes. it. Because the Jews had preconceived ideas, their faith was not, many. for many of them, their faith could not grasp who Jesus was. And when he came, they rejected him. Yes. So, Elder Skeet's opinion simply, as you said, whether past or present, or for the individual, whether it was to be future, the atonement quite simply points to Jesus Christ, to the Messiah, the one who was to complete that on behalf of fallen man. Yes, that's correct. Well, finally, now, Elder Skeet, what part did the death of Christ play concerning it? Okay. I'd like to begin to answer this final question by going to the first scripture that we read. Uh, so if the radio listeners were turning their Bibles to Romans 5, yes. I'm, I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. The question is, what part did the death of Christ play concerning the atonement? Here's the Bible. It gives us the answer. In Romans 5, starting at verse 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In verse 11, and not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Yes. So the question is, what part did the death of Christ play? And in this passage, it says we are reconciled to God by the nice. death of his son. So I'd like to make a, two observations before we close on this passage. Yeah, sure. Ver, verse 11 says, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. It is only through Jesus' death that the penalty for our sins was paid. Yes. Verse 8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And here's the two important words, for us. Amen. This expression, for us, <laughs> means that Jesus died in our place. He, he took the things that... He took the punishment that we deserve. Yes. I, I, I'd like the radio listeners just to ponder just for just a moment. Because, because we don't do the things with our hands that we should do. Or we do wrong things with our hands. Jesus' hands were nailed. It's really our hands that need to be nailed. But he said, I'll yes. take the nails for those people. Because we won't go the places that his spirit says, go, go here. Go, go do this for me. Because we won't go those places. 
They drove big nails into his feet. But those nails should have been in our feet because because we won't bear the burdens on our backs that we should bear on our back and shoulders. His back was whipped because we won't think the thoughts that we should be thinking. And we're thinking our own thoughts. They forced the crown of thorns on his brow. And, 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 you know, by contemplating Jesus' atoning sacrifice and what he actually suffered on behalf of the things that we think, feel and do. If you, if you meditate on that, it'll soften your heart and your heart can be melted. And if you meditate on his life and death long enough yeah. with sincerity, with contrition and with faith, it will transform you. That's the first observation I'd like to make. And the last, the second observation and the last observation is in verse nine, where Paul said that we were justified by his blood justified by his blood. Right. If you look up the Greek word for justified, dikaio, it means to render innocent or make righteous. Yes. And, and this is accomplished by Jesus' precious, wonderful, sacred blood being shed. But but we need to understand that death can only occur if you're alive. Yes. No, but death, death is a life that's poured out. And the appreciation of the death is related to the character of the life that was yielded. And and Jesus willingly poured out his loving, spotless, stainless life for us. And in the salvation made available through the atonement, we need to understand more fully the character of the one who poured out his life. You know, it's an interesting text um, in, in Leviticus 17, verse 11. It says, and Leviticus 17, verse 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Yes. And, and I've given it, the, I've given it, I've given the life to yes. you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Yes. So, so in the sacrificial service, the different animals whose blood was spilled, um, they were employed to reveal in their own inadequate way the different aspects of the wonderful life of Jesus. They chose a bull because Jesus had great spiritual strength. They they chose a lamb because Jesus is innocent and gentle. They they chose a ram that butts head because Jesus had a martial spirit. He was willing to fight for what is right. They chose a goat because Jesus was strong-willed and determined. You know, goats will climb mountains and difficult things that they're determined to do. They chose a turtle dove because Jesus was cheerful and friendly. And so... It's this beautiful life that was poured out as a ransom for sin. And we already read in Leviticus 7, yes. 15, that we're supposed to eat, eat part of that sacrifice. We have to, if you want to get the full blessing of the atonement, we as Christians need to be eating and partaking of all those wonderful traits that the sacrificial animals represent. We need to be eating the spiritual strength, the innocence, the gentleness, the martial spirit, the strong will, the cheerful, friendly spirit of Christ and making that part of our life. Yes. Well, Elder Skate, at this point, we'll have a break for some music and we'll come back with some concluding thoughts. Lord 
of life and glory, whose praises angels sing, came to this world a Savior, the love of God to bring. For love He lived and suffered, in love He bore the pain, in love He prayed, forgive them, while they mocked Him with disdain. And oh, my precious Savior, like you I want to be. Let all of those who know me see more and more of thee. And if I'm called to suffer, and if I'm called to die, let those who bear me witness see Jesus in my eyes. This is my prayer. I'm dazzled by the brightness of one so full of grace. And this is my reaction, Lord. Oh, let me see thy face. There are so many people who only know your name, who after tasting of your love would never be the same. So, my precious Savior, help me your love to show, not just to those who love your ways, but to those who do not know. And if I'm called to suffer, and if I'm called to die, let those that bear me witness see Jesus in my eyes. This is my prayer. As long as life continues upon this world of thine, I want to rise above the flesh, forsaking all behind. When time on earth is ended, let this my triumph be. I have glorified you upon this earth in the work thou gavest me. So, my precious Savior, like you I want to be. You gave your life for others, let me give my life for thee. There's nothing under heaven that satisfies me more than to see the smile of Jesus find pleasure in his sight and to think about the day when every wrong will be made right. And oh, my precious Savior, like you I want to be. Let all of those who know me see more and more of thee. And if I'm called to suffer, and if I'm called to die, let those that bear me witness see Jesus in my eyes. This is my prayer.
Was the atonement completed at the cross? Elder Skeet, closing thoughts to tonight, please. My closing thoughts would be that the definition of the atonement in the Greek was, it was the great exchange, a restoration to divine favor. But the Hebrew definition, kafar, teaches that God intends to cover the sinner. Before we accept Christ, we're naked. We're exposed to destruction. We're exposed to spiritual pollution. But the covering of the atonement makes us safe from destruction. When fully applied, it makes us safe from contamination. The great majority of Bible information on the atonement is found in the Old Testament. And through the sacrificial service, God gave a detailed explanation to ancient Israel And it's still his chosen way to instruct modern Israel on this important subject. And one of the best places to dig, if you're interested in this subject, is the Passover service in Exodus 12. There you'll see the the sacrifice, the blood over the door, the change of record, the eating of the lamb, symbolizing identification and partaking of Jesus' life. And it's here that you will discover that the killing of the animal is not the end of the atonement service but just the beginning. And we'll study that next Sunday by God's grace. Yes. Well, Elder Skeet, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07944-062-786. If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you two free tracks called The Atonement. They cover the subject in the Old and the New Testaments. Those who are living outside the UK can request for electronic versions to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. Chapters 47 and 48 cover the subjects, the atonement in the Old Testament, and the atonement in the New Testament. They will give you more information on today's topic. Elder Skeet, let us pray before we end this evening. We'd like to pray, Elder Okay. Skeet. Okay. Our gracious Father in heaven, Lord, we are thankful for Jesus' wonderful provision for our salvation, for, for all that he's done with his perfect life, for his um, painful death on the cross, and now as our all-powerful high priest. Lord, many people in the church, though they go to church every Sunday, though they go to church every week, they're still naked. And Lord, we pray that they might find the covering that's provided by heaven. Bless us and help us to keep seeking your face and receiving your blessing, because we've asked it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks once again, Elder Skeet, for your time this evening. Listeners, On next week's show, we will continue to discuss the subject, Was the Atonement Completed at the Cross? Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful biblically based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world 
every week.